But one thing that I do encourage people to keep in mind is just remember if you're a business owner, like a lot of, if you ask a, a lot of business owners, okay, what do you value your time at? People will say, I don't know, between 40 and several hundred dollars an hour. And so if you can hire somebody for $6 an hour that can take work off your plate, it just allows you to focus on the things that you're uniquely good at and focus on scaling your business. And that's when you talk to people who are successful, that's a huge, huge factor that they really, really were focused on the important parts of growing a business. You, yeah, you either pass off like the smaller stuff or you just uh, don't do it. Like, yeah, you let it go undone. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 170 with co-founder of iWorker and Optimate.co, John Miles. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, and with us for this session as co-host is Veronica Kieran. Of course, this is the show where we bring you a life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. So here we are, middle of March. The world is in the middle of a pandemic called COVID-19, and it seems that every day is bringing eh, worse news. Uh, That said, there are some major issues that this global event is causing. Uh, The stock market is tanking and the toilet paper seems like it's going to become a currency with so many people hoarding it these days. But while those might seem like side distractions, a lot of people are being affected by a simple issue. We're not allowed to be in large groups. So many businesses are doing as much virtual work as they can. Needless to say, Zoom is probably doing really, really well right now. Interestingly enough, 10 or even five years ago, I don't even know if this the shift would have even happened. You know, people would probably have been told to go home and that would be that until the the virus had actually passed. And something else to consider is that there are people around the world who do all of their work virtually each day. And many of these are freelancers who are called virtual assistants or VAs. A lot do so because they travel while they're doing work from their laptop, or perhaps they'd rather just work from home. But there are some places in the world where a VA has chosen to become one because they see it as a way out of the financial crisis they find their country in. And our guest today, John, is making a difference for these individuals. He and his partners have developed a network of high-talent workers from around the world who live in conditions that we in the U.S. are just starting to see with the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, the countries that these folks are in have become that way due to horrible and or corrupt leadership and superinflation is definitely a real issue there. So they choose to work for others around the world simply because their currency doesn't get them that far. More specifically in this discussion with John, we'll be talking about how the idea of iWorker and Optimate came around, 
what business owners need to consider before hiring a VA, and which countries John and his partners are searching to find talent in. But before we get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about Optimate. And as we get into this interview, I'm pretty sure you're going to realize why I had to have John on the show. If you're anything like me, you've probably seen a few businesses which are so simple and disruptive that you've thought, I, I should have thought about my, that myself. And that's exactly what Veronica and I both thought when we saw what John was doing. So I just had to bring him in as an affiliate because it's simply an amazing idea that he's able to do with both of his companies. As a new affiliate, John has been kind enough to give fans of the show an extra week for hiring a VA. And if you want to take him up on that offer, you can go to optimate.co slash AOL podcast. Again, that's optimate.co slash AOL podcast, and you'll get that free week when you sign up for any package. If now's the time for you to get a VA and you do it through John, I'm pretty certain you'll be glad that you did. All right, before we get started with this chat with John, remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening on. Also, leave a review on that platform. They truly affect the algorithm and help other people find the show. Also, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it on an upcoming session. As always, you can email us your questions about scaling your mission-based business at heyguysatnewinceptions.com. Again, that's heyguysatnewinceptions.com. Show notes and show extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 170. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Veronica Kieran. Thank you for joining us for this awesome conversation that we have in store for you guys today. Veronica, how you doing? Hey, JC. What's up? Not much, not much. Here you have uh, the 78 degrees going on out there in the California, whereas we're still looking at the dreariness that is February in the Midwest. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that's working out well for you. Yeah, you you keep me grounded and not taking this weather uh, for granted, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm proud to proud to do that. And as you know, that's yeah, always one you. of the things. That when I, whenever I'm, you know, doing an interview here, I have, you know, I have this huge window to my left here that is always just like a reminder of like, okay, well, it's good that's to what stay we're dealing with today. out there. Yeah, let's, we're gonna let's, let's focus on what we're doing here. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's. Uh, but get you but, some sunlight. You know, we don't want that vitamin D going too low. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where the supplements come into play there a little bit, but anyway, <laughs> sure. but yeah, so, um, really looking forward to today's chat. And in fact, I think the audience is really going to be really happy that they, they actually heard it because I believe, mm -hmm. um, they'll want to take advantage of the opportunity. Really. It is, it is an opportunity and it's to me, I, I think it's just pure awesomeness to what our guest is doing. And before we get there though, um, let me paint a, a bit of a picture of what's of the context of what's going on here. So, you know, in the online space, there are these things called virtual assistants or VAs, and it doesn't even have to be the online space. You know, they work in the online space, but they can help real businesses and brick and mortar businesses even. And in fact, um, we've had one on the show way back in session 69. Um, there was a local one that I had the chance to interview. Her name was Emily Kelly. And as you'll find out is that many online businesses, business owners, you know, they get their start as a VA. And unfortunately, mm. uh, you know, the ability to do that isn't equal among people around the world. Like we have no problems as U.S. citizens, you know, becoming 
these digital nomads that we've, you know, had the opportunity to talk to, but it's a little bit harder for people who come from, um, countries that are in extreme crisis such as Venezuela, Haiti, or again, I'd even say Nigeria. So the question is, what do you do if you're from a country like this? And really that's why we have today's guest and to talk about it. And he's actually the co-founder of a social enterprise called iWorker that links up talented remote professionals from around the world to work as virtual assistants for companies. And he's launched this uh, this awesome project to do something about the Venezuelan refugee crisis and now works with over 500 clients, including just under 120 business coaches. John, how you doing? Welcome to the show, bud. Glad to have you on. I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for the uh, impressive intro. <laughs> yeah, JC will really... Uh layer on. And I think that it's well-deserved in this case, you know, as we were kind of chatting before the show, um, I'm pretty geeked personally. Um, and I'm geeked in a few different ways. And so JC said this, uh, and I'm going to repeat it for our listeners that when I heard about iWorker, my brain immediately went, why didn't I think of that? Um, and there's a few times in my life where I've met entrepreneurs where I legitimately say, why didn't I think of that? But this is just a no brainer for me. Um, so I want to reel it back, though, because uh, before we get into like why I think this is just utterly stellar and I want to like just go so deep into it, um, I every single entrepreneur has pieces that come together to form the idea. And so I want to know uh, for you, John, like what are those pieces? What's your history? Uh, and it, I even in our brief conversation before the interview began, like I could tell there's some really good ones. Uh, so tell us about your history as a business person and entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. So I've always been entrepreneurial going back as, as far as probably grade seven or eight. Um, I remember trying to start a dog walking business and, uh, and I printed off flyers on my parents' computer uh, and I went yeah. around the neighborhood and I, I, pass them out to all the homes, uh, like, I don't know, in, in five streets around us. And I got zero calls. Uh, so that, that didn't go so well. But, <laughs> but I do remember that, like, yeah, I had like a entrepreneur book for kids and, uh, and all that sort of thing. So it always, it always interested me. Um, and then my first real foray into business was uh, when I graduated, just after I graduated university, um, I was working for a real estate company renting out uh, rental apartments. Uh, and I, we were signing leases. We were signing a lot of leases because it was a fairly big company. Um, and it just struck me that we were spending a lot of time going and meeting people in person to sign these leases because we didn't have a mm -hmm. rental office. Like we would go and, and meet them at their house or there's a lot of students. So we'd go meet them at their uh, student residence. Um, and then it would take an hour every time. Uh, but we would just sit there and watch them read the contract and then, uh, and then sign the lease. So I ended up Putting, putting that whole process online, uh, so starting a software company around that uh, where people could go and sign their leases online instead of us having to go and do it with them in person. Um, so that was my first foray into business, and that would have been, I don't know, whatever, 13 years ago. Um, and, and that went okay, and that, actually, that business I actually sold a few years ago. Nice. Um, so I, I was doing, I sort of had my foot in a, in a couple worlds because I was working for that real estate company, um, and that my boss there ended up buying some other businesses. Uh, he bought a craft brewery and he bought some newspapers. Uh, <laughs> and I had the opportunity to invest in and, and run the operations of a few of those businesses. Um, so I was both an employee, but also part owner in those businesses. And as I say, uh, I was doing running the operations of, uh, mm -hmm. of a few of them. 
uh, and then had this uh, software company on the side. So I had I had a mix of, of different levels of like, yeah, corporate business, but then also entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah. And, and different then, industries too. Yeah, so you get yeah, to cut yeah. your teeth in a lot of different directions. Yeah, exactly. So it was for me that was a great learning experience and and my my boss and mentor was a very successful business person he still is. Uh mm-hmm. and it was a good opportunity. Uh, I was one of the earlier employees that he hired, so it was a good opportunity for me to just work with him directly and see how he makes decisions and even to this day, uh that certainly influences the way I think about business and there are some super solid lessons I learned from that. Um, and then about, it would have been three and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to sell the software company, um, and sell my ownership in those businesses actually all to him. Um, and, uh, and it was just, he wanted to buy one of the, yeah, he wanted to buy one of the businesses and he said like, I'll buy all your, your ownership off you if you want. Um, and then it'll give, it'll give you some, some money and, and some freedom and you can just go do sort of whatever you want. And that was that was something that I had always thought about. I'm like, oh, I'd be cool to to live in another country and and start a new business from scratch. Uh, so yeah, I took the mm. opportunity uh, and decided to move down to South America um, just to learn uh, learn Spanish and experience a different culture. Um, and so that that's sort of my background in business. And then that took me to the starting point of this business. Uh, so I was living down in Buenos Aires, where I had just moved to. Um, and I met my, my now business partner, Jeb, uh, who's an entrepreneur and had a couple of uh, successful online businesses. Uh, and actually we started this just as a, as a side thing. So it wasn't like lightning didn't strike. We were just, we had friends from Venezuela who had fled, who had fled the situation in Venezuela. Um, Mm -hmm. for those people who don't know, like probably everybody's heard a little bit about it. Um, but we were hearing their stories of like, of things like uh, it's just how long like you'd have to wait for three hours just to get cash out of the out of the bank, uh, and then there were limits to the amount of cash you could get, and the inflation rate mm-hmm. in Venezuela is up in it's the highest in the world. It's enormous. And, yeah, yeah. At, at times it's it's been above and maybe right now above a million percent a year, and so you you'd wait for three hours in line at the bank, and then you'd only get enough to cash to go buy like a coffee or go buy just like a few groceries. Um, mm-hmm. and then and even the groceries, the grocery stores are either bare or yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm hearing stories from migrants and we'll definitely get into this, but I'm hearing stories from migrants that they walk into a store in, Ven- in Buenos Aires after having migrated out of Venezuela and they see Nutella on the shelf and they haven't seen Nutella. They haven't seen yeah. that product in over a decade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So shortages mm-hmm. of groceries is super common and, and, and huge lineups, another three hours to wait. Uh, in line for groceries and then definitely uh and then you get there and there might not be there might not be any food and then shortages of gasoline and and all all these sorts of things and so just very very difficult situations and actually uh, we uh, a guy who is now one of our business partners in the business Enrique is from Venezuela and he was mm-hmm. one of the first workers that we hired uh and he, so hearing his stories he lives in Buenos Aires he was able to flee uh flee Venezuela and he said the reason he had fled is because he was about to have a baby uh, with his wife and they, his, his wife wasn't feeling well and they ordered medicine online because the pharmacies were out. Uh, and then the medicine arrived that they had paid for and it was actually fake medicine. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. And yeah. They, just, they just said like, we it's can't. A, the fact that it arrived, though, too, like that, yeah. that's actually I, I expected you to say that it didn't arrive, that it got yeah. stolen. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a 
yeah, it ended up being a scam. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, and he just said, like, we can't have a newborn baby in this situation. So it was, it worked out well and that he was working, uh, he was working with us already. And so he knew, okay, I can leave, uh, I can leave Venezuela. Um, and he was lucky that he had a passport because not everybody has, has a passport. And the, the whole system, like the government system there, uh, is, is in shambles. So it's actually quite hard for people to get passports now. But he and his wife yeah. had a passport. They were able to flee Venezuela. And because he was working with us, um, he, had, he, he knew that he could rely on the income. So he wasn't going to arrive in Buenos Aires and then have to try and find work. Um, so that, that worked out well for him. And, uh, and yeah, so he was able to leave and, and is now living in Buenos Aires. Wow. Um, so for us, so just to backtrack a little bit there, for us, we, we had met lots of people um, who, were, who had fled Venezuela and hearing those stories. And we just said, Jeb and I said, well, we're kind of in a unique situation because we're not, neither of us are under the gun to, to start a business and make a ton of money. Um, like we've got some financial security right now and some financial freedom. Uh, and then we're in a unique position because we're North American entrepreneurs. So we can have conversations with people, like sort of speak the same language with people mm -hmm. from back home, but we're living in right. South America. So we have connections uh, and know people looking for work. Um, right. And we speak. Spanish. Uh, his Spanish is better than mine, but we speak enough Spanish and, <laughs> uh, and have built sort of a network of people. And so we said, yeah, we can actually do something, uh, some small part of like helping out the, the crisis here and to start giving people who have fled Venezuela and then maybe inside Venezuela uh, the opportunity to work online and just get, get paid in U.S. dollars and, and work that they didn't yeah. have before. Yeah. And that's like, that's why I say that I wish I'd thought of that because uh, the VA industry is only growing. So a VA company is almost like a no brainer because it connects people who have the skills that they've developed as freelancers. Perhaps it's pretty easy to scale as an entrepreneur. So, um, it makes a really nice business. Uh, if you're looking to be an entrepreneur who has a little bit more free time, but also is doing really great work, but then to take that and marry it with, um, the fact that, uh, there are people who have skills uh, for example, you know, I was hiring a VA last year and I interviewed several people in Venezuela and they're extremely educated, very savvy, very smart people. And they're just stuck to the situation. Um, and so as an American hiring a VA and they're in Venezuela or a different country that has a favorable exchange rate, uh, you know, $5 an hour seems like nothing to pay here, but that is actually a full living wage. And so then for a company that is in the United States or Europe, and they're just starting to grow to hire a VA at that rate helps us grow while also giving a living wage. I mean, a real living wage to, uh, people who might not have opportunity because exactly just as you described the um, economic situation in Venezuela um, and these other countries is just, it doesn't offer anything, especially to millennials. That's why millennials are migrating out in swarms if they can, if they yeah. have the financial means. Well, you know, and it's, and it's interesting that you bring this up. So again, I, I mentioned that, you know, uh, part of the family is on Hondurans. And so we went down there for a wedding two years ago, I think. And, you know, one of the things that blew me away was that they had all these American chains as far as, you know, restaurants and businesses and things like that. Well, and just to kind of give you an idea of how far the dollar will go, 20, if you have like a $20 bill from the U.S. and you go to mm -hmm. a Dunkin' Donuts, which they have a lot of them down there. 
and you have, I don't know, five people or so with you and you just pay for everyone, you can actually pay for everyone with that 20 bucks. And I think it was an assortment of drinks and food that we were able to pay for, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just an example. And, and with their own local and I, their own local, uh, money. And I don't know if it's pesos or what it was with them, but it take quite a substantial amount to, to be able to pay that, that for that same thing using their own currency. So it was, yeah, it's definitely mind boggling if you're not used to it to see what that exchange rate does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad it's, I'm glad that Veronica, you touched on sort of the, uh, the education and and the skill level of the workers, because that's the thing is even though the money, the money does go a long way, the quality of the workers is really good. And almost every worker we have uh, is college university educated. We have workers with master's degrees. We have literal doctors, um, a few of them that work with us. Um, And so you can get like really, really educated people. And Enrique is yeah. an example I like to use um, because as as we as we brought him on and made him part of our business, uh, as we were growing, this was maybe a year and a half ago, I remember sitting down with him and getting him to, ta- he was taking over the accounting and the bookkeeping that we were doing. At this point, we had a few hundred clients and, and, uh, and one or 200 workers. And so it's a substantial, substantial amount of sort of bookkeeping to do. Uh, and I was showing him. And I, I said to him, I'm like, I'm surprised you don't have any questions. And he said, well, this is what I took in school. And I'm like, what did you take in school? And he's like, oh, I did six years of, uh, of business with a specialization in accounting. I'm like, this is crazy <laughs> because you started with yeah. us as a VA. But like he's, I would put him up like, and his English is superb. And, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I would put you up against all of my friends that went to, that I went to business school with. Um, and, and yeah, I'll have six figure jobs and all that sort of thing yeah so, yeah it is yeah. it is just a matter of opportunity it really hit me and i said like yeah it's just enrique had not had the same opportunity um that that we had but now mm-hmm. like uh, our our yeah our business is is we mentioned was we have over 500 clients now and uh when jeb and i take some time off which we do once or twice a year for a week or two just to focus on um on the next steps and like the strategy enrique can run the awesome. whole business himself no problem and again, that's somebody that we hired as a VA. So um, yeah. yeah, it's good to, it's good sort of reminder that, that just because people grew up in a different country doesn't mean that they're not super well educated and, and capable of. Yeah, Absolutely really not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And to me, it's kind of interesting that you're talking about how he started off as a VA and then worked himself up to a position that, you know, he's able to manage the company. And I think for a lot of you know, when you, when people hear the term VA, that's kind of the idea that VAs are kind of where you start online and then you work to a point where you're a business owner that's hiring VAs. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think especially in the online entrepreneurial world, VAs are well known because of the scalability factor of of online business. But Mm -hmm. You know, let's say that we're at a point in our business that we need to start getting help to do our our work. And, you know, many folks, when they're thinking about getting help, you know, they're going to hire local, uh, especially brick and mortar places or just people that are just used to being part of a, a close community. 
I got a couple of questions. One is why would someone want to bring on a VA as an alternative? And then what kind of things do does someone need to consider before they bring on a VA full-time, part-time? Yeah, yeah. So uh, to answer the first question, we, we like to look at it because it's a complex topic. Like we look, like to look at it and say like, don't consider like that you're necessarily hiring a VA as an alternative to someone local, but a VA can be a stepping stone. Uh, if you can't, if you can't afford to hire somebody local, um, a VA can be a great opportunity for you to get some help and it doesn't have to be full time. So for us, like if somebody needs five hours of work a week, uh, we can work with them and then we'll, we'll provide other work to that worker. So it's just, it's an opportunity to hire somebody with a financial commitment that's yeah, that's going to be much, much less than hiring somebody in person. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's one reason. Um, and again, you for that five to ten dollars an hour, you can get somebody who's university educated. So it's just a, it's an opportunity that's that's very different than hiring someone uh, in person. And then in terms of in terms of the considerations, uh, I say to people like to do it well, uh, you want to have uh, you want to have your systems in place, um, and so. It's it's a good idea to know exactly what you're handing off to that worker and being able to explain it to them uh, in detail. So hiring somebody like sometimes we see people come and they'll just say, "Okay, I want to hire a worker and get them to run my Facebook ads," but not not give that worker instruction. And that's when I find it doesn't work out. Um, when it works mm-hmm. out the best is if the business owner knows the task inside and out, and then can say, "Okay, this is what I want done. This is how we do Facebook ads here." Um, this is how we do lead generation here, and here's our uh, our standard operating procedures and uh, step by step and all that sort of thing. So that mm-hmm. that's a key thing is just to understand your your business practices and not not rely on a VA to come with like the strategy um, because the the workers can be yeah I mean they can have tons of business experience but what worked for and we do have workers that have experience working for large uh, large American companies. But what worked for that company might not necessarily like that social media strategy might not be what works within your business. So. Well, and, it yeah. is, and it's interesting that you should bring that up because I would imagine that VAs would be much better programmed to follow a system that's already in place than maybe someone that is local who's like always wanting to put their two cents into what's going on into the company, especially with all these marketing meetings and all these different things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there might be something to say, to be said for that. Yeah, but I, I know, like, I've hired, I've hired sixty plus. I don't know the exact number, but sixty plus workers within my businesses uh, over the years. Because I started mm-hmm. when I started that software company thirteen years ago. Um, I started hiring remotely, so I hired a software developer in Mexico and I hired a graphic designer uh, in Indonesia. So those were my my first experiences hiring remote. Um, and I've had awesome experiences and then I've also had times when it hasn't gone well. Um, and I yeah. find the times when it hasn't gone well, I've looked back, if I'm honest with myself, and a lot of the time it's been me not giving great instructions to the worker. And and even workers that I've seen have hit it out of the park with other businesses. And so I sort of I sort of rely on that and I say, or I, I, I get lazy and I say, Well, I know that this person's an all-star, and then I I don't give them the proper instruction and realize that okay. It, it didn't work out the way I wanted because I wasn't clear on, on what I was looking for. And when I slow down and follow the process, um, yeah, the results are almost always, 
are almost always good. So that that's a key thing to to bring on a worker. It's just sort of that preparation and knowing what you want. And so what, for yeah. us, like if we're going to hire a worker within the business, either Jeb, Enrique, or myself uh, has to know that process inside and out. And we have to be able to do it. So we'll never bring on a worker to do something we haven't done before, um, I guess is the way of saying that. Right. Uh, that's critical. Um, so I specialize in scaling uh, for entrepreneurs. And that's yeah. one of my pillars for, like, I won't let my clients start to hire until they have not only done it, but also documented it so that they can hand it off. Um, And so expectations are really clear, uh, both like mentally for the entrepreneur, but then also for the VA, it's written down. So there's just no question anymore of like, did I miss an expectation? A lot of times entrepreneurs, they're going so fast. And so then they'll think, okay, I said it. So they must know now. Yeah, but when yeah. you, especially when you give them more than one thing to do, and there's nuance to it, you know, they, it, it it's not their fault. They're just there's a lot to juggle. So um, yeah, yeah, hundred critical. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and there's no shame in that. I mean, I'm guilty of that, as I said. Like I, I'm. Oh like, yeah, me too. <laughs> myself a busy t- a person, and and I I've cut corners. And but if I'm honest with myself, looking back, I can I can I can realize that. But yeah, we all do it. But it's just realizing that okay, even though the temptation there is there, and it's it's sort of natural to try and just get the worker going as quickly. Like you're excited and you're like, okay, I can get them yeah. up and running and they're going to take all this work off my plate, but it actually makes the process slower if you don't sort of stop at the beginning and make it super clear. And so, yeah, as you say, like the documentation for us, like we recommend that people do a call and share their screen and record the call or, or provide a video yeah. after showing them step-by-step step. and you can get good, good screen recording software like Loom or Screencastify. And it, it's really easy to do. It's not, it's not any more work to record the call uh, that you're having with the worker, but it just, it really helps them that if they have a question, they can go back and, um, yeah, yeah go back instead and, of like coming back to you over and over yeah. to and asking questions, which takes time and time is money. Yeah, 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 so. exactly. Exactly. Cause you never know, you never know when some things like the worker will understand completely and, and you'll be impressed and you'll be like, wow, they, they hit that out of the park, but then they may not understand something that you take for granted because of your background or because you have experience in the business or whatever it may be. So yeah, just, just the communication is key. And then the other factor to that is, yeah, we say to people just over communicate for the first week or two. So, and, and have the worker, if they're every day that they're doing work for you, just have, have them send you a quick summary at the end of the day of, what they worked on, the hours that they mm. worked. There are no surprises because I've seen it where somebody might give the worker instructions and then a week later they realize, oh, the, like the, the worker misunderstood the instructions or they're working on, I've seen this, they're working on a research task and they spent 10 hours on this task when I thought it was going to, I wanted them to spend an hour and move on to the next thing. So if you're checking in every day, you can see if, if like you need some course correction rather than have them go down the wrong, uh, the wrong street for, for five days right. straight type of thing. Right. One degree of pivot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I, speaking of pivots, uh, I would love to pivot here um, because uh, you know, what I'm bringing to the table is this love for the social enterprise that you're working on. Um, sure. And I mean, I've, as I've mentioned, I've hired VAs and I've scaled VAs and I've been through it all, but I'm definitely stoked about the social enterprise aspect. And, um, we are seeing a huge surge of social enterprise businesses 
in general. Um, and people will say, you know, that's the millennial generation. They want meaning. And so they're looking to create businesses that, uh, you know, can make them money, but then also have a positive impact in the world. And why not? And so I'm curious with regards to you, you know, is B Corp status, it would totally be within reach of what you are working on. And I, it looks like you're incorporated in New Mexico. So I'm curious, have you considered, um, B Corp status for iWorker and, uh, you know, like what would that mean to you or what, if not, then what do you see for the future? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, it's something that we've talked about, uh, applying as a, as a B Corp for B Corp status from (laughs) day one. Mm -hmm. Um, it it is a bit of a process, uh, and then there are some fees involved. Um, so those would be like the two deterrents, uh, probably more, well, I guess both of those are factors. So for us, we pride yeah. ourselves on running a super, super lean business. So even with with the with sort of like the growth that we've had, we still do all of our bookkeeping on Google Sheets uh, just to save that mm-hmm. thirty dollars or so on on uh, whatever simply accounting or Quicken, whatever it be. Um, and yeah, so we're we're very very careful on any sort of expenses because for us, we we set our margin, we set a small margin at the beginning. Um, that we take to operate the business and we said okay we're not going to change this unless like we 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 run into real problems we're just always going to keep it what it is um which we have and the rest of the money we go we pay to the workers because the more yeah the more money we can pay the workers it sort of achieves the original purpose that we started this business is just to be able to provide uh provide good employment for people in venezuela so any expense Mm -hmm. so that's just to say any expense like the B, even the B Corp thing, we look and we're like, okay, is this is this going to get us more clients um, to the point where it would make financial sense? Because it's going to mean us having, yeah, having less money to pay the workers essentially. So that's that's the one thing. But it is it is something that I think is still in the cards, and uh, and we may still do. Totally fair. Absolutely fair point. And yeah, I mean, so B Corp is absolutely super popular. Um, and to like maybe American clients, it would be an extra shiny piece, but I, I've had no issue understanding the, uh, value of what you're giving, not just to me as a potential client, but then also like where my money is going as a value to the people that you've hired. So, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's gotta be that kind of pay off in order to make sure that everything balances well. Yeah. So it's hard to say, and then the time to, to apply. So there is a bit of, a bit of time there. And we've been, we've sort of just been trying to hold onto our hats because when we started this, we had, of course we had one client and we had, and it was one of my good friends. And then we had one worker and we were actually doing other things on the side. My, uh, my business partner, Jeb had his two fairly successful online businesses that were occupying a lot of his time. And I was doing some consulting. So this was not something that we had intended to to grow, <laughs> but it just took off because we were paying uh-huh. the workers well and treating them well. We had all sorts of people saying, oh, can you hire my sister? Can you hire my dad? Uh, I've got these friends. Can you hire them? And then on the client side, because uh-huh. we were po- providing good quality workers for a really good rate, um, we just had people talking about us on Facebook and, and just a lot of word of mouth. And so it grew and it grew and it grew. And wow. we've but wow. we've been just trying to like keep up with demand and and keep the pipeline of workers going. So yeah, it's it would be a luxury to to even like find the time to fill in an application such as this. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. a grant there's a grant that we're thinking of applying for um, in the U.S. because that a grant for companies helping uh, the situation in Venezuela, and we're really excited about the potential of applying for that. 
but again, so we're like, cool. okay, this is, this would be some, some work. And like, do we have the, the time to focus on it? So, mm-hmm. and what other countries have you, um, cause I know you're not just hiring out of Venezuela. Yeah. Um, I saw, I, I believe Haiti is also on mentioned on your website. What, yeah. what, what is the diaspora of, of, uh, VAs that you have hired right now? Yeah. Yeah. So we obviously we focused originally on Venezuela. So that was workers inside Venezuela and then people who have fled Venezuela. Um, so other, mostly other parts mm-hmm. of South America. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also started hiring, uh, from some countries like Colombia. Um, we have workers, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Argentina, all, all throughout, uh, I'm just naming co- countries that I know, like come to my head. Um, but we have, we have workers all over uh, South America for sure. Um, Nicaragua is, uh, is one where we have a number of workers, Haiti, uh, we have some workers in the Caribbean. Um, so for some specialized roles like telephone uh, types of roles or copywriting, we have some workers that are native English speakers from the Caribbean. Um, and then we, we also started hiring from some countries that meet our criteria. So countries in economic crisis, uh, but then have high levels of English and, uh, and reliable infrastructure. So uh, Kenya, and, uh, Kenya and Zimbabwe are two countries that we have workers in. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we have any workers in Nigeria, um, but I know that's a place that we have had ads up uh, in the past. So yeah, it's a mix, and and it's always changing. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Cool. So back in 2017, I want to say it was, um, and I've known about the situation in Venezuela for for a while, probably before the the most recent uh, election cycle. So probably within. Obama's time because it's, it's been a long issue for a while. Um, but back in 2017, I actually listened to a podcast interview of uh, Lewis Howes and he was talking to Vilmer uh, Valderrama, um, who, if I probably butchered that name, but he's the guy that plays Fez on um, yeah. on the 70s show. And he's he's originally <laughs> from Venezuela himself. And mm-hmm. if you, if you didn't know how bad it is there that listening to that interview and why he left um, originally is is a great um, it's a great source to find out all all that information. Um, But that said, a lot of folks that are, you know, probably listening to this interview, maybe they're not quite ready to hire a VA. So I, I think part of, you know, what someone w- might want to be doing at this point is like, well, if I'm not ready to be, hire a VA, how can I support iWorker and, and its employees? Or how can I get involved in any situation that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm supporting fellow millennials in an extreme crisis? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say in terms of, in terms of helping us out and what we do, it's just, if it's just a, we, we want to be a resource that people know about so that if they're talking to a friend who's an entrepreneur or their brother-in-law or whoever it may be, and they hear somebody saying, oh, yeah, like I don't have enough time or I could use help with this, just keep us in mind and, and just mention us. And, and we can have a conversation with that person, whether they've hired of VAs before or not, or they haven't even heard of VAs. We're happy to jump on the phone and just have, have a conversation with them and talk about their business and see if there is maybe a way that we can help them out and it can be a win-win for the workers and, uh, and for the business owners. But one thing that I do encourage people to keep in mind is just remember if you're a business owner, like a lot of, if you ask a, a lot of business owners, okay, what do you value your time at? 
people will say, I don't know, between four, 40 and several hundred dollars an hour. And so if you can hire somebody for $6 an hour that can take work off your plate, it just allows you to focus on the things that you're uniquely good at and focus on scaling your business. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. when you talk to people who are successful, that's a huge, huge factor that they really, really were focused on the important parts of growing a business. You, yeah, you either pass off like the smaller stuff or you just uh, don't do it. Like, you, yeah, yeah, you let it go undone. It's a, it's that whole Superman syndrome thing you got to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know how to software, I, I don't know how to do coding. Um, and as much as I would like to learn, I, I'm kind of like, well, this is good because I would be tempted to do it myself. And so we we needed some some coding work done on our uh, on our system to connect Google Sheets to Stripe um, to automate it. And I know that if I knew how to do it, I probably would have done it myself. But I was able to pass that work on to somebody else because I just I was like, okay, well, I don't know how to do this. And I kind of think that's good because it allows me to del it, for, it forces me to delegate and try and, instead of trying to do everything myself. So all really good advice, um, especially because, as you say, like if you think that you're closer on the tipping point and you're just not sure, um, I think going with your organization to hire a VA, even just four or five hours a week, I mean, just to get in the door and start to scale is really a wonderful uh, thing to do for your business. And then also you are uh, driving empowerment and economic um, words. Right. Well, and I think part of it is that you just want to, for, for most businesses, there's no reason why, believe it or not, there's really no reason why you can't scale even cleaning businesses. You can scale these days. Mm -hmm. I have a client who has a cleaning service. We're scaling like, absolutely. You know, but you don't have to be the person that's doing the work. You you become the manager of the p- people who are doing the work and that you don't even have to be in the same country. Like the guy that I'm talking about, uh, Chris Schwab, who was back in session 127, um, you know, he started this this company called Think Maids that he didn't do the cleaning. All he did was the management of the cleaning. Mm-hmm. And now he's in, mm-hmm. at least when he, during the interview, he was in the United Kingdom where people were doing the cleaning here in the States. And it's just, you, you, you always have to think, is there a way to scale my business? And as long as you're doing that, you're, you're, you, there's no reason why you can't grow. Yeah. Yeah. So just letting go of the reins a little bit. As I mentioned, Jeb and I take every six months or so, we take a bit of time and just look at where we want to go with the business. And, and part of that is writing down what we do and what everybody within the business does like task by task, uh, day by day. And we'll look at it and we'll say, okay, these are the things that we think we can be more efficient with. And these are the things that we, we can outsource right now. So we'll bring that, that Jeb and I are doing. And we'll, so we'll bring another worker on and give them that work so that it frees up our time to, to try some other growth strategies. And then we'll have some other things that we say, okay, we can't outsource this right now, but maybe in three months, um, if we put better systems in place, we can. And when I look back on those notes over the last two years of like the things that I remember sitting there and writing this down and being like, oh, it'd be nice to outsource this, but I don't see how we can systematize it and do it. And now mm-hmm. looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, we solved that problem a year and a half ago and I haven't had to do that myself for a year and a half. It's, it's mind blowing. Um, so yeah, I just, I encourage people to, to sort of have some faith that, that probably almost anything or like there is a massive amount of things that you can outsource and and pass on if you really have good systems and you find the right people. Right. 
So then with that said, what are you excited about for this year? I think more of the same. Like we're we're always trying to improve our system. So as I, as I said, like I'm super focused or we're super focused on keeping our costs down. So as we grow, we want to be able to handle more clients uh, and more workers without uh, increasing our our internal staff and, and our staffing costs because um, there's, I don't know, seven or eight of us working within the business now. Um, so mm-hmm. we've been, and I enjoy like building up the system. So uh, spreadsheets, I love spreadsheets and we have a really complex system of spreadsheets that runs all like the timesheets and uh, and all that sort of thing. So just really nailing those those systems, um, our recruiting system and making it better and uh, and yeah, just nailing our success rate of, of finding good workers and that sort of thing. So I really enjoy what we're doing. Uh, it excites me um, every time we place a new worker with a new client. So just doing more of the same, but yeah, more efficiently and uh, and being able to handle more people. Awesome. Love it. All right. So as we're closing up, um, we always end with the rapid fire questions. And the first question that I have for you, sir, is who are three influencers or teachers that have launched you to where you're at today? For sure, Tim Ferriss. He's like, I mean, the four-hour work week is the Bible of, of digital nomads and outsourcing and all that thing, all that sort of thing. So uh, he would certainly be one of them. Um, so I would say a book that, I, that I'm a big fan of and I recommend to people uh, is Charles Duhigg. I think it is The Power of Habit. Uh, mm. I think that's what it's called. But just... When when I find this like working from home or coffee shops or working from anywhere, just being able to uh, being able to stay focused and uh, and yeah, make make every day productive uh, is really all about habits. So for me, that's that's a big thing um, because back in back in the day, like when I was working in an office, you didn't have I didn't have to have as much discipline because it just you're in an office, you you're there until whatever time six p.m. You've got to get the work done. But now. I don't have anybody watching over my shoulder. So yeah, just setting those habits in place is super important. Uh, I'd say Neil Patel in terms of his marketing skills. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's big in the mm-hmm. digital marketing space. Yeah. And he just pumps out so much content. Uh, and it's all really, really good content. It's not, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not following. You can tell like he comes up with really, really novel things. So for me, when I get his emails, he's some, somebody that I really pay attention to. Oh, that, yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the names that I remember, but there was actually another guy that he reminds me of. Oh, shoot. Cause I always get their, their stories mixed up. Um, but the other guy is a a, a friend of Tim Paris's and I cannot think, oh, for the life of me who it is. But anyway, yeah, Neil's definitely a great guy. If you, if you haven't heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other guy, sorry, now, now I've got a fourth, (laughs) but Ramit, Ramit, uh, Ramit said, "There it is. There it he's is. Ramit. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the guy you're talking about. He's awesome. That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of millennials, like he talks about, he talks. Yeah, his audience is millennials, and I think he's got super practical advice, both on business, um, yeah, on business, and just just how to start a business from scratch. It's it's just really practical. But then also on finances, like he talks. He's just got really good advice on." saving money and, and how to, how to approach finances. So yeah, he's another guy. I'm a really big fan of. Yeah. Yeah. Ramit City. That's right. Yeah. Who would be someone that if you interviewed would cause you to become starstruck? Uh, Richard Dawkins. I just think he's, 
he's tremendously intelligent. Uh, yeah, he's a great scientist and, and I, I'm a big fan of all his books. So he'd certainly be one person. Cool. <laughs> Done. What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Listening to audiobooks for sure. Uh, I'm, I've never been a big reader um, in, terms of, in terms of sitting down with a book, and I don't know why that is, but audiobooks is, to me is just a tremendous way of absorbing the book, but I can do it while I'm doing other things. So I've always just found nice. it like, hard to find the time. Um, and, and I know that's just, I mean, there's, you can always find the time if you prioritize it, but I found it easier to, to listen to audiobooks when I'm at the gym or while I'm walking places. And yeah, to me, that's been absolutely life-changing. And you do that through Audible? Yeah, through Audible. And then there's another service called Scribed. Have you guys heard okay. of that? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like Netflix and Audible mixed together. So instead of buying the books, Ooh. you pay a monthly fee and then you have access to their whole library of audiobooks and, uh, and PDF books and all that sort of thing. Nice. Uh, well then what is one thing that costs less than a hundred dollars that has changed your life? I'd say a good set of earphones for listening to, uh, to audiobooks. So <laughs> I, I bought, I bought <laughs> noise canceling headphones, uh, and they're awesome because I live down in uh, Medellin, Colombia and there's tons of traffic and motorcycles mm -hmm. and all that, but I can be walking through the city and, and sort of, yeah, it cuts most of that out and it just helps me really absorb uh, in the book I'm listening to, even though I'm walking with like motorcycles flying by. Nice. <laughs> so the next question is, what is something you believed as an 18 year old, but now you tell yourself is completely inaccurate and why? I would, I would have to say not, not something that I believe, but sort of a way of believing is just, I think I'm way less judgmental. Uh, so I realized that like people's life situations, uh, you can't, yeah, you can't understand people's life situations, uh, the way I thought I could when I was younger. So yeah, I would have judged somebody's, somebody's situation and thought that I understood them and, uh, and that I would make different life choices. But now I realize that there's so much that goes into how people are that, yeah, you can't, you can't make those generalizations. Hmm. Right. Yeah. What, give us one tip for traveling. One tip for traveling. I would say always do carry on. Uh, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's just, it's just a pain having to wait for your check bags. And, uh, and especially, I find if you're on cheaper airlines, which I fly a lot, they lose your bags and all that sort of thing. And if you don't speak the language, trying to get them back can be a huge pain. So yeah, just do carry on if you can. Mm -hmm. Pack light, pack light. There's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, I, yeah. I'm always leaving for a trip and I realize that I haven't used half of the stuff I've taken. <laughs> or you can be like me and not pack enough, but that's, yeah, that's a problem in itself. Um, yeah. <laughs> how can someone be a difference maker in their community? I don't know. Just really try and think of things from other people's perspective in that, like realize you don't have to, you don't have to make a huge difference. So just under, trying to understand other people's life situations and, uh, and realize that, yeah, even if you make a super small difference to one person, uh, that still is changing somebody's life. So just, yeah, I guess start mm. small. Love yeah. that. Love that. Well, John, thank you for spending a little bit of a time with us today. Uh, it was definitely, I'm sure, an eye opener for the audience and, and definitely for me. Uh, you can, again, be found at iWorker.co, iWorker.co. Yep. Uh, where can people find you on the socials if they want to get personally connected with you? 
Uh, I actually don't really use social media. I do. We just focus oh, on the website. Where, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Millennial actually saying that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I try and stay focused on, uh, on our website and just yeah, that's it. So yeah, just just come cool. to our website. But they can reach me through our website. Uh, certainly, like I answer a lot of the emails, and I'm willing to jump on a call with anybody if they just want to talk about their business or or anything like that. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. I really enjoyed it. So there you have it. It's amazing work that John and his team are doing over there at iWorker and Optimate. And if you want to learn more about hiring VAs or hear more from John himself before taking the leap and hiring your first one, then the show note extras are for you. In the first two videos, I have a couple of lessons from Chris Ducker, whose current business is Youpreneur. But before that, about 10 years ago, he was actually really, really well known for his knowledge of the VA world. And in many cases, he actually still is. So one video of his talks about his thoughts about working with a VA. And then the other one shares why VAs shouldn't be considered the magic bullet, or as he says, the magic pill and getting more done. After that, I got two more interviews of John. One is with Javier Lorena of the High Octane Mechanics Show. And then the other is with Yaro Starik of the Yaro Podcast. So you can check those out on the other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 170. So that's it for this session. Remember, if you want to sign up for Optimate Package using our affiliate, you'll get a free week of service from your VA by doing so. Sound like a deal? Check it out via optimate.co slash AOL podcast. So that's it for session 170. Thank you again for spending a little bit of time with us. As always, appreciate having you along for the ride. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care of whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions on Twitter at New Inceptions, Instagram at New.Inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.